Section two of the Black Cat, Volume one, number six, March eighteen ninety six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nemo. The Black Cat, Volume one, number six, March. 1896. Section 2. To Let by Alice Turner Curtis. On one of the streets leading from the park in the center of a town near Boston is a very attractive modern house with a history. It was built for the occupancy of a Mr. and Mrs. Leslie, whose mysterious deaths mark the beginning of this story. The facts here recorded are just as I heard them. Indeed, I was a resident of the town during the period in which these strange occurrences took place, and had a personal acquaintance with the people mentioned. The Leslies had been married a year, were apparently happy, and were well and favorably known in the town. One morning, a neighbor noticed that lights were burning in the Leslie house. He ran up the steps and rang the bell. There was no response, and after a few hours the neighbors decided that something was wrong inside, and that an entrance must be made at once. The front door was accordingly forced open, and as the men went in they could see into the room beyond the hall, the sitting room. Mr. Leslie was sitting with a paper across his knees, apparently asleep, and on a couch nearby lay his wife. It took but a few moments to ascertain that both had been dead for some hours. Their faces were peaceful and composed. There were no signs of disturbance in the house. Every possible inquiry was made. No trace of poison or of foul play could be found. Numberless theories were advanced, and the wonder and excitement over the tragic death of the young couple grew daily. After some months, their relatives removed the furnishings and, to let, appeared in the cottage windows. The house was immediately taken by a man from Boston, whose family consisted, beside himself, of his wife and two little girls. None of this family had heard the story of the Leslies, nor did they hear it until they had been in the cottage for some weeks. One night, after they had occupied the dwelling for over a week, the man of the family was awakened by a sudden scream. His wife awoke at the same moment and exclaimed, One of the children must have the nightmare. But just then, the two little girls rushed into the room exclaiming, What's the matter, mother? What are you screaming about? Almost before they had finished speaking, two more screams in quick succession rang through the house. The place was carefully searched, but no cause for the disturbance could be found. The next night, at about the same hour, like sounds were heard. After that, Mr. Weston made inquiries of the neighbors. None of them had been disturbed. One suggested that possibly a cat was shut up somewhere in the house and had made the noises heard, but a careful search of the entire premises failed to discover any such commonplace solution 
of the mysterious sounds. A week passed without any recurrence of the midnight sounds, when one night Mrs. Weston awoke from a most terrible dream. She dreamed that she was lying upon the couch in the sitting-room. In front of her stood a young man who held a pillow in his hands. I shall stifle you, he said clearly. It's no use to struggle. Mrs. Weston dreamed that she tried to scream, that once, twice, three times, she endeavored to rise from the couch to push away the pillow, but could not. From this dream she awoke suddenly, and, as she lay endeavoring to overcome its impression, a gasping shriek, quickly followed by two more, awakened her husband, and again sent the little girls flying in terror to their mother's room. This time Mrs. Weston held herself responsible for the terrible screams. I've had a dreadful dream, and I suppose I screamed without knowing it, she said. She had hardly finished this explanation, when again came the screams, the last dying away in a stifled moan. The family was by this time thoroughly terrified. They had heard the story of the Leslies, and without waiting for further experiences in the house, they moved at once. Their story got about the town, with the result that the house was vacant for a year. Then a family, consisting of an elderly couple, Mr. and Mrs. Walters, and their son, a young man about twenty-five, moved in. The remainder of the story was told me by the son, and I will give it in his own words as nearly as possible. I wasn't afraid of any haunted house. My father was deaf, so it would take a reasonably loud scream to wake him, and my mother was a sensible woman. The house just suited us. We got nicely settled in a few weeks, and my elder brother and his wife came out from Boston to make us a visit. The first night they were there, I stayed in town for the theater. The train I came out in left a few minutes after eleven, and I reached the house at about a quarter before twelve. I was nearly ready for bed, when a shriek like that of a person struggling for his life sounded through the house. I hurried into the hall, and as I did so, my brother opened his door. Before either of us could speak, a second and a third scream followed. By this time, even father's deaf ears had been penetrated, and we all sat up talking the matter over far into the night before we felt like sleep. In the end, we decided not to mention the occurrence. We thought of several possible explanations of the noise. The next morning, we made a careful examination of the house and surroundings. We made inquiries as to late trains, thinking we might have mistaken the shriek of an engine for a human voice. But all our conjectures led to nothing. We could find no satisfactory reason for the disturbance. I made inquiries about the Leslies, and found that many people believed that Leslie had stifled his wife, and then taken some subtle poison which left no trace but there was no evidence to support this theory. No sign of poison had been found. No cause could be given for such an act, and nothing could explain the midnight screams. A week passed quietly, when one night my brother awakened our mother, telling her that his wife was ill. 
she had awakened from a bad dream almost suffocated and my mother worked over her for some time before she was restored she refused to tell her dream but we were well assured that it was a repetition of mrs weston's the next morning my brother and his wife went to their home i had one more experience in that house which i shall never forget my father was to be out one night until midnight at the meeting of a society of which he was a member my mother and i decided to wait up for him about eleven o'clock mother lay down on the couch and went to sleep the room was brightly lighted and i sat near the couch reading just as i heard my father come in i was startled by a sudden moan from my mother i turned quickly toward the couch and as i did so i saw plainly that the sofa pillow lay upon her face i snatched it away and awakened her with some little difficulty meantime my father had come into the room and as he entered a scream terrible in its nearness and intensity rang out thrilling us all with a sickening shock we left the next day this finished his story no explanation of these happenings has ever been given the leslie's death remains a mystery and to explain the presence that occupied this cottage after their death would be to account for a side of life which we barely touch and cannot comprehend the house is still to let end of section two